This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you ate before the show, because you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvesting Nature's Wild Fish and Game Podcast. you got your host here, Justin Townsend, and I have a, a slew of crew in front of me for tonight's crew chat. Uh, pretty excited on what we're going to be conversing about. Uh, going to get the normal admin stuff out of the way first. So, uh, with that, I'll give kind of updates on, on myself. So... Depending on the timing of this release, it may or not may or may not be super time delayed. But I uh, spent a couple days up in the Ocala National Forest, uh, doing a bit of turkey hunting. Uh, I'm not going to tell you if you're if I was successful or not. You're going to have to listen to the podcast that we are going to release for that. If it has not already actually been released, we'll see. Um, in addition to that, shooting for spring bear here pretty soon. Followed on by. Uh, Heading up to Missoula for the BHA rendezvous. Uh, I'm going to be doing a little cooking up there. So if you get the opportunity to come up and uh, do a little meet and greet, be sure to shoot us an email and let us know. I'll be there. Would absolutely 100% love to connect with each and every one of you. If you're in the area, camping, having beers, attending events, whatever, uh, just let me know. We'll, We'll set up something and have a beer and a chat for sure. So... Uh, with that, those are kind of all the updates I got going on, trying to take a look at the fall season and, and plan my roadmap for the, the hunting and fishing year, but looking forward to all the exciting things that are to come in 2021. Corey, what do you got for us? We did get a hot tip from a listener on a previous uh, episode, the Essential Equipment for Wild Game Cooks. 
Uh, in that episode, we briefly talked about vacuum sealers and vaccine like stock and stuff. But we got a hot tip from a listener, Josh McCown. He said to hang the vac seal bags off the side of the counter and support it with your hand when you when you seal the stock and it won't draw up that liquid. So hot tip. Yeah, it's it's pretty yeah, it's a pretty good tip. This past weekend uh, was our, our annual annual fishing trip that I take with a friend from uh, grad school. We get together and we go out trout fishing. My dad usually comes with me. And we actually recorded a podcast on Friday night. But uh, it was Saturday that that uh, I had a good day. I, I, I mean, we landed a bunch of fish. But uh, the highlight of the day was a nice like 17 or 18 inch brown that that had just had the most beautiful colors. And it was one of the most beautiful fish that I ever caught. So that was that was just like the this you know the exclamation point on the end of the on a great weekend. Great weekend. Did, did we, so was, did we post that nice one? Is is that one on Instagram yet? I think it was just in stories. I don't think I don't think it's on the page, on the feed. Yeah, we had uh I did see that one in Corey's story and I did repost it as a story. Uh, but I haven't put it on the main page. Super, super beautiful fish. I am curious though, Corey, how many fish did you catch on Saturday? I lost count, but I'd say between Friday and Saturday, I caught over, I don't know, 60 trout. So it was, it was a good weekend. Wow. Wow. Did you keep, how many did you, how many did you keep? We kept five, the limit's five in Pennsylvania, and normally I'm catch release, um, but we kept five to make fish tacos, but we recorded a podcast. We talked about it in there, so I don't want to give too much away. So nice. That's that's fine. Yeah, don't want to give away the content there. Colin, what do you got for us? Hey everybody, this is Colin. Uh, just checking in for the social media and our community aspects of harvesting nature. Uh, really appreciate all the engagement that we're getting on the Facebook community page. Uh, our very own special guest today has been very active in that, which we really appreciate, and we've gotten a lot of great feedback about. His recipes, our recipes, uh, every little hot tip that we get in there, it's pretty awesome uh, to see that community page really expanding the way we want. And uh, as for me, it's pretty slow up here in Oregon right now, just preparing for our bear hunt coming up in a couple weeks. Went out to the range the other day, patterned my shotgun for turkey in case we cross come across any of those, and sighted in my rifle just to make sure I switched up some ammo. Went to a lighter grain, so I wanted to make sure it's still on. Uh, also had an, an interesting encounter with some r- rural Oregonians. Uh, if you care to hear <laughs> about the encounter, let's hear. Uh, the For range sure. that we go to, it's very. Um, I just say it's very Oregon. It's on a state forest. It's uh, two gravel pits. One's about 50 yards. One goes out to about 150, and. Uh, Rolled up to the 150-yard range, and there's a family there, and they pretty much told me that uh, I need to go find somewhere else, that they live right down below the hill, and uh, they never get to use the spot because they got all these people coming in from Portland or Washington wanting to use the spot. And I said, well, sorry, I live right here. And uh, they were like, yeah, we, we recommend you, uh, you go find somewhere else to shoot. So <laughs> I didn't press the issue. 
I know. I, I didn't press the issue. I didn't really want to argue with a bunch of people with guns. Uh, I went and found a different spot. But just uh, that was my first encounter like that. Somebody laying stake on public land out in the middle of Oregon, which uh, if you if you watch the news for the past few years, isn't really that uncommon for Oregon, at least uh, in the in the limelight. But uh, yeah, it was an interesting experience. Ended up zeroing my rifle, so you know, it's a non-issue now. Good. Is that the same one we're going to when I come out? Uh, no. <laughs> Luckily, we'll be about eight hours <laughs> south. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, Corey, what's going on in the world of Vinch for Food podcast? Adventures for Food um, comes out every other Sunday, and it's a lot different than these episodes. It's a 5 to 15 minute story, uh, just one one hunter or angler telling their story, uh, like they're around a campfire, kitchen table, telling their friends. They are a nice, quick listen. Great, we got some great stories. Uh, a recent one is um, James Cameron hunting in a national forest in eastern North Carolina. Has to fight a bear off for his uh, deer that he harvests. So that one's an exciting one to listen to. But if we have any listeners out there that want to tell their story on the Adventures for Food episodes please email us at what's cooking at harvestingnature.com. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, I, I would say some, some other things too. It's, it's awesome. We love hearing everyone's stories. So it, it's great to get engaged, uh, and listen to your stories and have the ability to share your stories. It's super cool. We're, we're actually, uh, as I see it, there's, there's a lot of bear stories, which I find really, really interesting. Um, we have a couple more bear stories in the queue. Yeah. It's interesting how the bear stories travel to the top and uh, interact uh, in the hunting and fishing world. Both both good and bad, I guess. Depends on if you're the bear or the hunter. I wonder if that has something to do with just like their overall charisma. I want to mention our uh, biased coffee program. We have that, all the hard work we do. We love caffeine. We love coffee. So if you feel free to... Go donate a buck or two to our coffee fund. We're much appreciated. Great way to say thanks for all the podcast videos, articles, photographs, delicious recipes that you see over on the Harvest of Nature page. It's a, it's a great way to get in with that. And then uh, I'll still call and plug. Uh, our friends over at Allen Company are gracious enough to share a discount code. Uh, so if you go over to buy Allen, that's B-Y-A-L-L-E-N.com. And uh, use the coupon code HARVEST10. It gets you 10% off at checkout. So great way to do that. They have a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, I've been using their turkey gear now for the last couple weeks. Pretty impressed with it. So uh, that's good stuff there. But we're going to roll from our admin stuff. We've got uh, uh, Jim Hazley on. And uh, Jim's going to talk to us tonight. A little, uh, little hot news going on in the Florida Peninsula that uh, I think we want to bring to light uh, to the listeners out there. So, um, Jim, first, if you'll introduce yourself, you, you're a contributor for us, but you, you wear a man of many hats. So uh, please, uh, please introduce yourself to the guests. Oh, thank listeners. you very much. I guess guests. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for having me on. Um, you, you do me credit that I probably don't deserve, um, but 
I'm a BHA volunteer for Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. I do like to write, and I really appreciate you guys being willing to publish some of my scribblings. I hope some of those add value to somebody's life. But uh, the, the subject that I'm really here to focus on tonight is um, a threat to two WMAs in Florida, two state forests, and, and, and some pretty serious conservation land. It's actually up in the in the Forgotten Coast, up in the Panhandle of Florida, uh, just east of the Choctawatchee Bay or, or west of St. Joe Bay. If you, for those of you looking in the at Google, I suppose I can give you a coordinate. It's uh, 30.311721 or negative 86.087864. Won't geek out too much on that, but um, to understand the the issues that we're dealing with kind of have to understand that development in Florida is going to be something that's just going to come. I don't want to make this sound like an anti-development conversation, but we do have about 250,000. The population of Florida grows about 250,000 people a year. So to kind of put that in perspective, you know, Wyoming's only got about a million people in it. So it's like bringing the entire state of Wyoming here every four years or the entire state of Louisiana here in about 20 years or the entire state of Pennsylvania here over the next 50 years is the kind of growth we're, we're looking at. So it's natural for uh, counties to want to develop mobility plans, and I think that's actually a pretty responsible thing to do by and large. So Walton County, which is the area that we're concerned about, has actually put together a pretty well-thought-out mobility plan with two pretty serious uh, exceptions that arguably walk in the line on ethics. Um, one is they are trying to, they've proposed what's called the Seagrove Forest Road that will cut right through the single largest unbroken portion of forest that's created by uh, the Point Washington Forest and also the Deer Lake State Park. Um, the, what they're planning to do through this really pristine area is through a 175-yard corridor with fence on both sides, of course, to retard the progress of animals across the the two lanes of paved highway, and then a third multimodal lane that is still kind of uncertain as to whether that's just going to be pedestrian traffic or in other places in the mobility plan when they call a multimodal lane is actually a lane that's supposed to handle things like golf carts and shuttles. So they're It's really uncertain as to just how much concrete they're talking about driving right through a state forest uh, in a place that um, several different state agencies have actually invested millions of dollars in the longleaf pine restoration, uh, restoration, etc. The forest itself, the forest itself is, it's got some really unique habitat in the forest and around the forest. Um, It's fantastic home for all the things that we like to chase things like deer turkeys quail ducks pigs really diverse uh for the folks that like us like to go out and hunt for our dinner but then it's also got some species sometimes we as sportsmen don't always give credit to like the american kestrel uh gopher tortoise uh flatwood salamander and then some fairly rare plants like the white top pitcher plant which may not sound exciting when you're talking about flowers, but if you've ever seen one of these things, they create a flower that looks very much like a pitcher. It's bright white. It's like a foot tall with these 
beautiful purple red veins that run through it and it's uh it's threatened as is uh some of the curtis sand grass that only appears in florida so when you're just talking about a space like that that was set aside for passive recreation and for all the reasons that we need public land and we need conservation land it just sets a terrible precedent that you want to drive a road through there um a lot of that area is already bisected or fragmented by a couple of roads that already passed north-south between County Road 30A and US 98, if you want to look on a map and figure out where this is. But uh, it literally, in some of the conversations we've had with the planning manager, they want to put a road there just because about every two miles along this entire mobility plan, there's a north-south road. So they want one there too, and it just seems like uh, conservation land is—it's um, just not a priority. Seems seems to me like it would, man. That, <laughs> sorry, Corey. Seems to me like that's a terrible place to put a road. First off, and like out of all the land to try to put a road in the county, like why try to put it through the middle of the WMA? Uh, it just, I don't know, that bothers me. Uh, it gets worse than that because they've been working on this project for a long time, and we've received letters that were submitted to the county uh, as part of the conservation, the due diligence from Department of Forestry, the Department of Environmental Protection, Florida Fish and Wildlife, all either saying outright, we oppose this plan, or expressing grave concern and then listing of a litany of options, and all of them expressing ideas as to alternatives as far as widening some other roads uh there's a county road um, uh, 393 through the area there's another place to the east called water sound parkway i don't want to get into the politics because it'll 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 put your listeners to sleep but the biggest problem is the precedent and it's really heartbreaking that a county is moving forward with this despite pretty significant opposition um there was 75 letters of opposition from different conservation groups uh, when they did a public, um, um, what do they call it? public request for input mm-hmm. versus one letter supporting the road. Yet they're still moving forward with it. It, it. it just shatters me. And then two weeks ago, we also learned, that's the second one, they're now trying to also drive a three-mile bridge and extension of uh, County Road 81 through the Choctawatchee River and just another place that's absolutely pristine um one of the and these different waterways are unique i didn't i shouldn't leave these out but uh we have what are called coastal dune lakes in the area Mm -hmm. and the only places in the globe that you'll find these things are australia new zealand madagascar and then walton county and these are freshwater lakes that are literally only 100 or 200 yards away from the gulf of mexico so they get a wonderful infusion of brackish water every now and again so it makes it really special say for the angler is you can go out there you can catch largemouth bass and sunfish in one area move 50 yards into another place where you could see the change in the water and start catching redfish and flounder so when you start putting paved structures all through this area you're increasing the odds for additional pollution and garbage and runoff and and all those things that it you just know over time it's going to degrade that area. Um, like I said, guys, I'll, I'll talk to you about this 20 minutes. I don't want to take any more time. But what we'd really like people to do is get involved. They can go to Backcountry Hunters and or Backcountry, sorry, Backcountry Hunters.org. 
click on Take Action. If you then scroll to the bottom of Take Action, you will see a map. Click on Florida, Florida and you'll see a place where anybody can just fill in their contact information and send an email to the Walton County Commissioners to help oppose uh, this progress. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a vital thing. I encourage everybody to go do that. Uh, definitely really apparent why, you know, I think as hunters and anglers, like this is something that we should be opposed to, uh, not coming outright. I'll, I won't feed my opinions to you, but I will tell you my opinions uh, that, you know, the unique ecosystem that Florida is is already very challenged by the many infrastructures we've put across this state and, if we have the ability to uh, sort of thwart a plan that's uh, not agreed upon by many, many, many uh, experts and and well-educated people, then, you know, I I think it's good to do due diligence to go, uh, just like Jim said, go head over to the BHA website and follow those uh, those links to, to show your opposition. We'd love the support. I know the state of Florida would love the support. The fishermen and anglers out there would also love their support. So I'll say this real quick. Any any of you guys, Jeff, welcome. you're welcome to chime in as well. Do uh, you guys have any questions for Jim? Jim, you do have an article about this on the website already, correct? I do. Thank you very much. You published it uh, a week ago or two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you very much. It's just a 500-word summary on some of the things that are going on. And if I could just wrap this into one sentence, especially for your Florida listeners, if they can succeed in establishing the precedent to push a road through these WMAs, with the population growth we have in Florida, your WMAs are next. It may not be for two years, three years, or ten years, but once that precedent's established, it'll never go away. Yeah, that's a very valid point. Well, uh, we'll leave it at that. You see the severity of the situation. Judge, judge yourself if you should take action. We hopefully you're, you're leaning towards the yes. Uh, thanks, Jim, for coming on and, and chatting with us uh, this evening and uh, sharing the story there. We'll, we'll all get on it. I know that's my first stop is to double-check that I've double-clicked on that box. <laughs> thanks for your so. support. I don't know about you guys, but I'm 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 pretty stoked we had Jim on and uh, he was able to share some some great, I mean great content, great news, uh, maybe not great news, just some news in general uh, that I think that everybody needs to have good information. Good information. There we go. Good information that everybody needs to have uh, readily available to sort of action. So, but now we get to talk about the main meat of the show, which is our guest, who I'm going to introduce. So our guest today, hunter, angler, and a wild food cook. He's also a contributor at Harvesting Nature, actually field staff writer at this point, uh, field staff writer at Harvesting Nature. And he also writes for several other publications, so congratulations on some of those uh, as well. I know that's recent developing news, and I'm pretty stoked to see those deals happen but um so jeff celebrates local fishing game and uh he likes to promote bright and achievable recipes 
that are designed to build confidence for new cooks and kind of well-seasoned cooks alike. And if, if you've looked and seen uh, Jeff's work on, on Instagram or on the Harvest of Nature website, you can see that it's it's very much a work of art. It's uh, makes you want to eat the phone or eat the computer screen or any of that. So the presentation's great. The recipes are great. I am super excited to chat with him this evening about uh, all things food. So I introduce you all to our field staff writer, Jeff Benda. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Long time listener, first time guest. So. <laughs> nice. Love it. Um, so I will say, so uh, if you could, for those that, uh, well, I mean, we have a little bit, you, you got a little bio going, we got a bio for you, but uh, can you give us some more details sort of on yourself, uh, where you're from, what got you in the outdoors, all those great things like that so that we know our listeners can, can understand who they're talking with. Or listening to, jeez. Yeah. Um, well, my dad was in the Air Force, so I was actually born in North Carolina, and then, um, um, and my mom's from the Tampa, Florida area. That's how they met. My dad was stationed in McDill, but um, my dad got stationed in North Dakota when I was seven, so we moved here um, back in the '80s, and um, it, you know, it was one of those places, uh, really being confined to the air base. Um, and uh, not not venturing out too far, um, but I I dreamed about the outdoors. Um, my dad wasn't he didn't really take us fishing. There was no hunting, so I read all those books, um, My Side of the Mountain and Sign of the Beaver and um, Island of the Blue Dolphins, like all these hunting gathering, like you know, young people getting uh, being out on their own, and I just. Uh, um, that's what I yearn for, you know, just this adventure, um, of the outdoors. And, um, but I, it just wasn't happening for me other, other than the boy scouts. I mean, that, that was my kind of my limit to camping. Um, and, uh, my first jobs were working in restaurants. So since the age of 15 and as soon as I uh, graduated high school, I, um, I was doing restaurants, um, ran away to Minnesota, worked resorts in Minnesota, Florida, um, ran away to Florida twice. Um, uh, and, um, <laughs> anyway, ended up coming back here and finished up my last year of, uh, of college. Um, I got introduced to s some guys and asked if, um, if I wanted to go hunting with them. So I took my hunter safety. It was like 2002 and I took my hunter safety and I went on my first hunt and, um, that that was a duck hunt and uh i was hooked from that moment um i absolutely fell in love with it and then started pheasant hunting and was supposed to um go off and go back to florida and actually be a, a high school teacher um and i stayed in north dakota and um and one of the main things was just that that hunting and and that um that door had just opened up for me the year before and um so yeah so i stayed and um been here ever since hunting and so fishing it, so it, at what point did you sort of marry the two together the the hunting and and the cooking um yeah i mean my first my first i don't even remember i you know i 
I reached out to the guys actually too because I was wondering like what did we even do with those first ducks and I think it was just that um, my buddy Don called them tasty duck treats TDTs but it was that you know <laughs> wrapped in bacon with a pickled jalapeno and and uh, onion no. in the in the middle and sprinkled with Poppers. some Tonys and <laughs> yeah and threw them on the grill we didn't do the cream cheese I know everybody does cream <laughs> cheese but we didn't do the cream cheese we still don't um, but uh, I, but that's what I we did respect with that. the Tonys though. Like right on yeah. Tony Satchery's yeah. where it's at. <laughs> yep. Um, I always have two containers, big containers in the house at all times. That's the minimum <laughs> amount we have. Um, and then the pheasant, that first pheasant was that throw in a crock pot with cream of mushroom soup and nothing exciting. Um, my first deer was, you know, it was just burger and some steaks and that wasn't even too exciting. So it wasn't until, um, but I love the hunting aspect of it. Um, and I loved cooking and I didn't, um, but it was my wife who, uh, um, you know, I cooked all these, you know, what she thought were these great meals. Um, and I took a lot of time and a lot of effort when we were first dating and then even just being married and then, um, but not doing anything with the wild game. So it was just in the last few years that I, uh, um, listening like picking up hank shaw's cookbooks and Mm -hmm. um and then joining that that hunt gather cook facebook group that just opened my eyes to why am i spending all this time and effort and money on buying all these different um foods to make to create all these recipes and not using the wild game in my freezer right i just i don't know what i was doing so um so i combined the two and um and started cooking for her and now we have a five and a half year old daughter um who uh who loves wild game and so i just kind of um have transformed our um i'm proud to say i've formed a home environment where the word supper is synonymous with the words antelope deer duck and goose so um they are they are converts yeah they are converts yeah I saw actually it's your, your recipe that came out today, the southern fried rabbit, and uh, I, I like the the headline that I think that Ben put with it was that uh that your wife wasn't a fan of rabbit at all until she tried this dish. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She would never try it before, and I had cooked it a few different ways. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so she ate it and she tried it. So. She loves fried chicken. She'll probably not venture into it again, but she ate it that one time. So it works. she's a big antelope. Yeah, time. yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, it's just like our daughter, right? You have to try the food at least once. You have to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, but my wife and my daughter will tell everyone that antelope is their favorite meat now. That's awesome. So that's, it's my favorite meat too. So Yeah, that's cool. Um, not, I didn't mean that sounded very self-centered, but I appreciate it when everyone loves antelope meat. Cause I think it's a yeah. very underappreciated meat and it bothers me the times that I've been to Wyoming and like talked to the, the locals there and they're like, shoot them all. Like, we don't want them here. Yeah, I was like, why are you not, yeah. why, why are you not capitalizing on this amazing resource that you have in your backyard? And they're like, bah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. They also told me they don't like to eat mule deer either. And I was I don't know. Nope, I shoot those too. So yeah, yeah, I got a couple of those this year. 
Yeah, man, I missed one, but anyway. <laughs> Jeff, it doesn't seem like you've been doing this for too long. Well, at least at least not on your Instagram, but recently it seemed like you've really gotten more popular. You've been on a couple different podcasts. I know you're on the Hunt of War podcast, which Justin was on. I think I was on last year as well, and we had Nick on, on here, and then you were recently on food of field podcast but what do you think has attributed to your your growing popularity i i I have an idea but what do you think i just love to hear it from Corey. but no i think um (laughs) honestly (laughs) please tell me um no i uh i i think it was the instagram because i i i mean i was posting stuff for for I've, i've been posting stuff for ever since i started this on hunt gather cook right on mm-hmm. Hank Shaw's Facebook group. But um, I think then when, when it was Justin who reached out to me, you know, you reached out to me and, and said, um, you know, hey, would you like to to write some recipes for us on, on Harvesting Nature? And then um, um, you mentioned Instagram. And I'm like, Instagram? I don't, I don't do Instagram. But then um, that's, when I, that's when I first went on there and I was like, oh, I do have an Instagram account. I just don't use it, right? Um, and, uh, some old students had actually had had me, uh, um, had had me open up an account a few years ago, but anyway, so I deleted all that stuff from that one, um, trip where I took students on a trip and they had had me open up an account and post it. And then I started putting my, um, uh, pictures and recipes on, on Instagram. And I think that's when, maybe that's when things, um, you know, people started seeing the pictures on there and 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 saw that and started reaching out to me but um what are your thoughts Corey? yeah i want to hear that i want to Corey, what are your yeah. thoughts I, I love going through your instagram <laughs> feed because it, like it everything is just so well thought out and it looks delicious and i want to know your secret to to taking those pictures because Justin and I are working on a recipe together, and and I, because I'm the one that had bear in my freezer, uh, I was the one that was cooking, and I had I was the one that had to take the pictures, and I had to get Justin on Facetime, and no, you got to do it this way, you got to do it that way, you got to do it this, and like at, at one point, you know, I'm I'm three beers in, and I'm like, okay, I I think I think this is good enough, but, but I I don't know how 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 you can do that on a consistent basis and just make it look so good um well it's instagram so not all the photos that i take end up getting posted right because it's like if it's the wrong time of day um you don't get that natural light um but then you know what's crazy is my um the pictures got better when um so i my wife would come home and and um you know if i got home and i my daughter and i'd be home and i'd be working on a recipe and and um, making dinner for those two. And I'd have these, you know, the professional, the kind of professional lights, but the ones, the things I bought on Amazon and um, set up in the kitchen and the dining room. And she's like, what is happening right now? And that started <laughs> happening like night after night. So they actually put together for my birthday back in uh, January, my wife and daughter, um, uh, they kind of set me up a little studio in the basement so I've been banned to the basement for my photos. And <laughs> the lighting or the lack of lighting, I guess, um, 
it's this perfect little space um, that takes good photos. So, yeah. So, Corey, you need to be banished to the basement. Find the darkest corner of your basement. and um, Or... Um, uh, you know, have it have it the right time of, time of day where you get that natural light. Like, I mean, I've dragged dishes outside. Yeah, the I when I was FaceTiming Justin, I was in the middle of my, the the hay field next to the house. I wish your wife. <laughs> I wish your wife would have took a picture of you like out there over this board, like trying to take a picture with your phone. Oh yeah, would have been hilarious. Little, I've done yeah. it. Little haystacks and like corn stalks yeah. next to it, make it look all earthy and rustic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's the same with recipes too. I mean, you know, some of the stuff that I make, um, it it you know, I have this concept in my head, and I and I try it, and it just does not turn out. Um, I don't know. Like I've been doing a lot of stuff with the catfish um, the last few weeks that that I went out and caught a bunch after my um, my failed turkey attempt, and um, but I I had caught a bunch of suckers with it too and tried to smoke those and and the first recipe like the first thing i tried to make i just the smell and my wife's like i don't know what are you thinking i'm like man i had all kinds of plans and ideas written down for these and i just no let's light some candles and get the smell out of the house (laughs) and and we have to abandon ship on these so let's stick with the catfish yeah it's just playing around with with different lighting um, it, it, it took me a long time and it's just kind of, I just have this, um, it's just, it's just playing around with, I don't even play around a lot with the settings, but, um, do you make like an extra dish just to, to photo? Because as I'm making stuff, it's like, I want to eat it while it's hot. I don't want to take pictures of it. Yeah. So kind of how I do that, um, my wife now knows that um generally the dish that's going to get um that I'm taking the photos of cuz my daughter doesn't um you know my wife wants hot food right my daughter doesn't want hot food and she doesn't really care um like it's whether it even like a soup you know instead of like we want hot soup but instead of putting a little ice cube in there so like, generally my daughter gets the dish um and then she gets the pretty dish, right? Um, so, you know, so the little bit more decorated. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll make I'll I'll make that dish that for the photo. I'll run it downstairs, um, try to get the photo. But you know, I I'm not going to sit there and spend 10, 20 minutes. Like I literally have take the shot, take the shot, try to get a wider shot. Um, I might do both the phone because that would be okay for Instagram or Facebook. But then if it's going to be something I'm going to submit to a magazine, like I need to, um, like if it's just got that look and I'm like, yeah, I think this would be maybe magazine worthy. Then I'm going to, I'm going to use the good camera just because the quality. Um, and I mean, it's not a great camera. It's just a Canon rebel, but it's, it's one we bought when our daughter was born. Right. So we could take good photos. Um, but it's just got that higher quality of a photo and then, um, and try to get some wider, you know, cause they might want to crop it. So if you're going to try and submit those recipes, you want to get a little bit of a, a wider shot. Um, so just turning the plate too, like I'm going to turn the plate like four times and get every single angle. And then 
then the key to having your family um, keep their sanity and you have a happy marriage um, is then set your phone down, don't look at those pictures, and then go sit down and have dinner, have supper with your family and enjoy, Mm -hmm. and then help with bedtime, and then spend time with your wife. And then I get up at five in the morning and then I go through those and um, and you know see what I can do with them. Hot so tip. That's the secret of all photography with wild game <laughs> cooking is then set the phone down and don't spend the whole night going through those pictures and driving yourself crazy on maybe I didn't get a good shot. So yeah. Do Do you ever feel though like oh man the the moment like I didn't get a good photo and now the moment is gone because the plates consumed. Yes. Yep. That's what I and then I, I have to start all over. <laughs> it's like a it's like an anxiety point for me. I'm like, "Oh man, if I don't get this, it's going to cuz you know, people that don't do food photography, you don't think about this like, but when the food goes cold, the colors change, the yeah. uh the textures change, the uh you know, even like down to the shininess of the food, like so you have a small window to be like, "This is prime photo time right now." Um yeah. to take it and yeah and there's different software and there's different filters that you maybe can have on your phone um that can help with that a little bit i would just um you know you know try to go through those and and maybe maybe go through a filter on your phone if you're taking pictures like that and then maybe you can find one that really works for you every time um you know and then just kind of play around with that too Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I try every time I shoot, I try my, my goal is to, uh, shoot a photo with at least the least amount of editing as possible. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which is, it's, that's a challenge, but yeah, definitely. Yep. Um, I do want to talk about some of your recipes. So we already mentioned the, uh, the Southern fried rabbit recipe today. Uh, that was a pretty solid one definitely excited about that i'm gonna give that one a go um let's talk a little bit about some goose here uh canada goose gondi i think i'm pronouncing it right yeah it was like it's like a matzo ball soup but it's the persian the persian jews call it gondi Mm -hmm. um g-o-n-d-i so that's where i i just stumbled on that i was trying to just um you know i don't know if i talked about like I so my daughter is five and I go through the um, uh, so I take her to the library every week mm-hmm. and her goal is to when the when they when the print off she always pushes the buttons you know so it prints off and it gives you all the titles and she looks for that number she wants at least 20 books um, she just devours them um, actually tonight we actually had a pretty rough night um, <laughs> so um, leading up to bedtime and um, so like I took one of her books away as punishment. So, cause we'll usually oh. do three, three or four books. And, um, so, uh, every night. So, so she goes and gets all of her books and then I go and I get, um, cookbooks and I've gone through our branch here, right by the house. I've gone through every single cookbook, oh, ignoring wow. all the plant based. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do those. But um, the plant-based recipe cookbooks. But so now we've moved to the big branch in Fargo here in North Dakota. And um, 
so we're cruising through those. So my goal is really to go through all of those. Um, but I just find inspiration, um, like an idea, like it might mm-hmm. just even be like a name of something, and I might go in a completely different direction. But um, but yeah, that's that's where I stumbled upon the the Gandhi. Um, how it was, how so? Yeah. How do you? What's your best takeaway to modify? Uh, recipes you find in the cookbooks to sort of fit the the wild game because you know uh, a lot of people are very familiar with the fact that uh, wild fish and game is all oftentimes very different than domestic game and the majority of cookbooks are, are domestic game domestic meats yeah. uh, and the majority of cookbooks are written towards domestic meat or you know uh, different types of fish and seafood and all that what's your what's your methodology behind that um it's not consistent it's like uh like the hot and sour soup um i think i did i did that today so like Mm -hmm. the recipe that i found was tofu right Mm -hmm. and i ended up putting a antelope in there ah Uh, so you are in the (laughs) plant-based books (laughs) no that was no 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 that was just an asian cooking that was just a uh, an no, Asian no. cooking uh, <laughs> recipe book, yeah. But um, no, I think uh, um, what's there's that uh, quote from the Dalai Lama: um, "Learn and obey the rules very well, so you will know how to break them properly." Um, I and That's I fair. like that quote. So um, yeah, I think uh, I mean you can go with the lamb. I think just. Like some, if you find stuff with lamb, um, antelope goes well with that. That that was just kind of, kind of what I've heard other people say. But that's I, um, I don't know. You can kind of play around with it. Like I I think I've just I've cooked enough where I can look at a recipe, um, and I've read so many cookbooks, and I've and I've tried. Um, I mean, I have stacks. Like you guys, I have bookshelves. Um, and um, I used to have an office before um, I changed jobs two years ago. So I, I would like, I had an office where I could hide all my books. And then when I lost my office, um, and now I drive for work, like I came home with like these like boxes and boxes of books. And my wife is like, "What are what's happening right now?" So she's had to try to limit me. Um, but I mean, I just, um, um, yeah, I, there's no fast and hard rules, Justin. I. Um, I I would say like finding success as a like wild game recipe cook you know creator or cook, um. You know I live here in North Dakota, so I'm gonna throw out like a hockey, um, metaphor. So like a hockey player, they move forward, um, by actually moving from side to side. So when I think so, the exceptions kind of are the new rules. So like as a home cook. I can make my own rules and all those years working in restaurants um, and having a catering business like you um, I had more flexibility when I had my own catering business but in that restaurant setting and I think you would know this you worked in restaurant like you have to follow that recipe right like Mm -hmm. the head chef is like he's the you know he had that creative thing or or maybe working with a um, a streamlined restaurant but you're given this recipe and you follow that recipe and you do the same thing every day. Um, and, and I just love having that freedom now. 
um, it's just my creative outlet. So, um, sorry, it took a really long time to go way around that question. No. You asked me, it's, but, uh, um, it's, that's, uh, yeah, there's, there are no fast solid. and hard rules. I think, yeah, I think there are no fast and hard rules. I think, um, um, you can just do so many I, different things. So, right. I, I think, you know, I, I've mentioned this before, like people get, people get nervous to start stepping outside the box a lot with wild game too. And, and, you know, you're, that's something you're focused on changing is something we're, we're always constantly trying to change. And I think it, it's, uh, I, I, I like to see it when the motivation's there to be like, you know what, let's just do this. Let's try it. Um, and, and not necessarily, maybe the thoughts not there of like oh my gosh this is like this is ground antelope and i don't want to you know mess this up because you yeah. have to that's like any kitchen thing it's like working the kitchen or cooking in the kitchen is like about 80% confidence and about 20% of understanding you're going to make mistakes and just dealing with it yeah i think um, following a recipe when you're even just first starting it like you need to use your level of experience um, feel and, and whatever you have on hand. Um, mm -hmm. and I think that's just going to be, a um, um, home cooks. We enjoy, um, this great creative flexibility, right? When you get to cook and with and for your loved ones. Um, and I think it's just, a it's just a lot of fun. So, yeah. And you know what the secret is to every, um, the secret to having better wild game recipes, I don't know if you know this, Justin, there's like that one ingredient. It's a trick question. Um, yeah, like if you play Otis Redding, have Otis Redding, like Otis Redding's greatest hits in the background, you, you will, you will cook better just so you know, I'm just, uh, really? Yeah. On that's vine, it, vine, that's vine my secret. Yeah. You don't see it on streaming. Well, yeah, you just ask Alexa, but um, yeah, that's my secret. So Corey, actually, why why think my stuff turns out better is that I um, I tend to have a lot of Otis Redding or that that type of music going when I'm when I'm uh, I try to have fun in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, and and usually the girls are dancing at the same time. So it's good, yeah. man. I I love the uh, the the family involvement that that you incorporate into this it makes me so very happy uh i try to get my daughter involved in in as much as i can about the the cooking and hunting and she's she's eight uh so she's she's there she takes an interest sometimes and then at the end of the day she just wants to eat and she's like i don't really care what you're doing dad go take your <laughs> pictures come back i just right. want to eat it right yeah. so yeah yeah that's um, a lot of fun but that's good that's good that it's as I tell Corey all the time, it's got to be fun. If it's not fun, what are we doing? Right. You know? Yeah. And now, Justin, you're down in Key West. Yep. Um, so have you actually seen – I'm just going to throw this out there. Now, have you seen, like, Fogarty Avenue, Fogarty Lane? Are you familiar with those streets? Yes. yes that's I my am. That's my family, actually, is Fogarty. Really? Um, yeah. So my uh, – so they left the Keys and went to where Bradenton, Florida is. Okay. Bradenton, Florida, my great-great-grandfather was the first homesteader and county commissioner for Manatee County. 
Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, so Fogartyville is now Bradenton, Florida. And then they ended up in Tampa. But the reason I the reason I bring this up is Captain John Fogarty, his secret for fishing, tarpon. I thought figured you would appreciate this. There's a book written on this, um, a family history about Fogartyville. Um, he would go out in a little skiff and he would catch a tarpon, but he'd be by himself. And if you tried to tie the fish on the side of the boat, you know, you'd have an issue with sharks. So mm-hmm. he would scuttle the boat and sink it, you know, fill it with water so he could yep. get the big fish into the boat and then he would bail out the water and then get back to shore. That's how he would get his fish back. What? Yes. So you, there are photos of that. So like, I just that's want some, to, um, that's some real Florida man stuff. And I love it's that. Like I love it's that. amazing. So, <laughs> yeah. so for me, when I'm out there, like, yeah, when I'm out there, um, when I'm out there hunting antelope or mule deer and I'm, you know, lost or having this crazy backcountry experience and I'm trying to push myself, I'm like, dude, this is nothing um, compared to stuff that that um, he did back in the, you know, um, a very long time ago. You know, he Holy was a ship. Shit. He was a shipbuilder. Um, yeah. But pretty like that takes that takes guts. So, yeah. Yeah. And that was a long time ago. Yeah, and I mean too. If you're thinking about, it, you're catching a tarpon big enough to put in a dinghy. Like tarpon are pretty, pretty wild uh, right. fish. Yeah. Like they they fight like crazy, and and they're big. I mean, the older ones, the really old ones, are are big. Like they're. It's not like, oh yeah, I'm gonna have this like foot and a half tarpon, so I'm gonna flood my boat. No, it's like this thing's probably the size of his, like the length of his dinghy or whatever he's taking out. Yeah, I'll have to try and find that photo and send it to you because it's a it's it's a pic. Yeah, it, there's a like there's one photo of this, um, but that's Please pretty do. epic. That's, I, that's I, awesome. So you talk about a fishing story that there's some pretty uh, cool fishing stories in my family history there. So yeah. Oh man, that's so rad. I couldn't imagine too like the Florida Keys at that time period. Uh, you know when those guys were coming down here and setting up shop and and doing all those crazy wild things like that. Like this place. You think about the wild, wild west being rough, but like the Florida Keys, you're like a hundred and something miles from the nearest anything that resembles any point of civilization. The only way to get out of there is by boat. Yeah. Or train, like, right? They had a train that went down there for a while. And that well, I mean, this was this would be before the train. This is when people oh, yeah. were just sailing down here. So, Jeff, like, does your does your family have connection to Fogarty's Restaurant, or is the Fogarty's Restaurant named after the streets? Um, I don't know, because um, they I, actually. I, live, um, I lived in Key West until last summer too. That's where Justin and I yeah. actually linked up. But yeah. Yeah, and I used to live on. Um, we still have a house in Tampa. My parents do, so I go down there. I'll, I'll, you know, we go down out there, down there every year. But I used to live in Fort Myers, and then out on Captiva Island, and we used to take. Um, we used to take one of those. Um, boats down to the Keys. Um, yeah, yeah, the, the you know the high speed catamaran. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. yeah. We used to go down there and and get into trouble, and um, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, and I think that was that's um, I'm not familiar with the Fogarty's restaurant, um, but but that's I mean that's the name. Yeah, that's the same namesake. I've seen the spelling of it. it it's um, right there on, on Duval Street, you know, Main Drag, and everything. So I don't know. if it had any kind of connection seems like it's kind of a placeholder yeah i don't know how many years i haven't been there in a long time 
So I don't know how new, I don't know how old that restaurant is. Um, yeah, I don't know either. I'm very familiar with the Vol Street. <laughs> so, <As am> I. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> that's where we spend all our time. Actually, but, uh, um, my, my dog is named Duval after that street. So. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that was one of my favorite things, too, about um, I worked on South Seas Plantation on um, on Captiva. And, you know, you're standing in a you're I used to fish in a tuxedo because we <laughs> after our shift. Well, yeah, because we had this tea dock right outside. I was at the, I was in the fine dining restaurant. You know, there's different sections of the restaurant. And um, so we would have like this bucket of shrimp tied up to the tea dock. And so then when we finished up, you know, waiting on all these people um, at the end of the night, then we'd go out and try to catch snook um, off the tea dock. But we'd still be mm-hmm. in our tuxes. So, yeah, That's I do. Awesome. You know, yeah. Fishing in a tuxedo on an island off the coast of Florida. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Many, you may many have just ago. coined the title there. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think that's the title of the episode. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, we can get back to hunting. So, um, Duh, no worries. I like the fishing stories. That's a sweet, it's a sweet, yeah. uh, sweet connection though. I, I really, that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah. well, and I think the Tampa connection too. So I do a lot of Cuban, um, Oh, have you guys had the like deviled crab, like Tampa style mm-hmm. deviled crab? Yes. It's my mom's birthday. Colin, you haven't? Um, yeah, it's uh, if you look it up. It, anyway, it's Tampa style deviled crab. It's kind of like the size. It's not the size of a football. It's the shape of a football, but it'd be like kind of the size of your fist. And um, it's the first thing I get. I go to this little Cuban place. The first before we even get to the house when we land. When the plan lands, when the plane lands in Tampa, we go and stop at this little Cuban place, and we get devil crab and um, some yellow rice and chicken and and roasted pork. Um, but these devil crabs, I'm actually going to recreate it. Um, it's my mom's birthday this this Saturday, and I'm and I'm uh, and I already told her about it. She's actually pretty excited. But I'm going to use um, some of the uh, catfish okay. um, that I caught and I smoked, and so we're going to but I'm going to follow the traditional recipe from the Columbia restaurant in Tampa um, that I have in uh, a couple different cookbooks here. And so we're going to make those, those Tampa style devil crab with the catfish. So it, huh. it that, so it's that kind of yeah. stuff. Like I see a recipe and I'm like, um, you know, I know it's my mom's and it's my mom's favorite food and um, trying sneaking in wild game or fish. Um, Cause she's probably one of the most skeptical um, it's it's that's the person I haven't really completely won over. So not yet. Yeah, not until her birthday when you win her over with the cat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yep. So I do want to talk about this uh, uh, this pickled northern. I'm going to add in the word pike in there in parentheses. Uh, yeah, under yeah. under a fur coat like that. That recipe is so visually appealing. Uh, with the layers and the way that you stacked it, like I just, oh, it's so great. Um, <laughs> let's let's chat. So just, okay. what was in your mind? Like where did, yeah. So I was listening to a cooking podcast, and this gal from Russia was being interviewed, and she mentioned. So I'm driving down the road. I I drive for work now, um, and I'm out on the road, so I'm listening to podcasts like you guys. Um, and you know, 
and other cooking podcasts and and hunting podcasts and audiobooks but this gal was mentioned this pickled herring under a fur coat and hmm. she started describing it. it's a shuba salad she started describing it with uh you know it had pickled beets i'm like oh well, my wife likes pickled beets and and i got we do a lot of pickled northern so i thought well how hard would it be just to substitute pickled northern for pickled herring so um so i looked up the recipe and i'm like this looks cool so i just uh yeah it was just it was something that i heard mentioned on a podcast by a gal being interviewed on russian food and um hmm. that's that's where i got the idea for that so yeah it's so cool and, and that one's uh that one's slated to go out in outdoor news right as well i think um that no that one's gonna be a catfish recipe actually oh i thought evie was picking that one up but anyway okay yeah i think um, she's i think she went with that one so okay no worries yep um bang bang g rabbit <laughs> <laughs> well i was again going through a cookbook and i saw bang bang g and i go man there's a wild game recipe in this somewhere with that name so i don't even know what the original what was a bang bang g chicken i think let's see what bang bang g is oh yeah it's like chicken bang yeah. bang g the authentic szechuan yeah it was a szechuan <laughs> hot <cookbook>. and numbing <laughs> <laughs> it was a yeah bang bang g i found it in a in a szechuan recipe cookbook at the library and said i got to do something with this and then was at my in-laws um we got that rabbit and i'm like well let's let's do this so how yeah. how hot did you make it um yeah not not that not that spicy so again i'm cooking for my wife and who will eat some spicy but my daughter um i really try to tone it down i like all the recipes um you know like like I used to work at a Mexican restaurant um, down in Fort Myers. It was one of the restaurants I worked at, and um, so love Mexican food. But but like some of the stuff like Hank Shaw does, he's on that Mexican food kick, mm -hmm. um, and I cannot do like I I and I love Hank Shaw recipes, um, and but I can't follow like with some of the chipotle peppers and things like that. I I'm always having to adjust stuff like that and and keep my family in mind. So. And then I can just add stuff, you know, on the side, you know, extra peppers and spice. So what's so. so out of out of all the cookbooks that you've you've browsed, which one stands out as like I like this one the most? Uh, my favorite. Yeah, yeah, we'll say that. Uh, a field. Ooh, nice! Uh, I like it. Yes, that is my Jesse's. favorite. Yeah, Jesse Griffiths. That's my that's my current favorite one. Absolutely. Have you um, uh, have you pre-ordered the Hog book? Um, no. And I and I went on that website. Um, there's the one that was advertised on the Meat Eater. Mm -hmm. Um, and I went on there and I um, I you know it's tag season right now, so um, all my uh, available funding is um is waiting to see on tags but Ooh, um, yeah but now i just got my north dakota elk tag 
for five dollars. Oh yeah, um, congrats for that. That's a pretty I, tough yeah. one to draw, right? Well, I yeah. So in North Dakota, so it's a once in a lifetime um, for your tag, and whether you get it or not, you get a once in a lifetime tag. But a bull tag in the unit that I applied for, and this is this is out by Medora, like it's in the Badlands. It's where Theodore Roosevelt hunted elk, and that's where I want to hunt elk. Um, and uh, and we camp out there, and I'm 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 and I'm very familiar with the area um and i hunt deer and antelope south of this but um it's a one percent chance to get a bull tag and every year you start over like there's not preference points or bonus points and when it's when it comes to moose bighorn sheep and elk in north dakota it's resident only um it's you start over every year you know um it you're it's it's you're on that even playing field but you only have a 1% chance to get drawn for bull. And it's a 50% chance for cow elk. Huh. I'm like, okay, well, at some point, I'm going to want to shoot a bull. But I can go do that in Montana or Wyoming. Um, you know, I can wait a few years and, and build up points. And I can do that, you know, get a general draw. But I just wanted to have this experience. And before I get too old and I can't go, it's a big country. Um, you know, I, I hike out there. Um, and, uh, and I wanted to be able to do it and have that adventure and, and try to, and monopolize on, um, the connections that I have on some of the other, like, um, some of the other guys that I know are big bow hunters out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, I just want, I wanted to do it now. And so I, I went ahead and got the cow elk and it was successful. So it's September 1st until the end of December. So it's a long season for rifle. So, do you have any uh, recipes already planned? Uh, no, I haven't. Like I, I just can't even wrap my head around it um, yet. It's so it's still fresh. Um, yeah, I'm still trying to get stuff around. I've got a lot of antelope in my freezer still in venison, so um, I'm still trying to come up with creative ways, you know, new things for that. I had to revisit some other ones, you know, that maybe I didn't so get a good photo for, <laughs> a photo of the first time. <laughs> you know, that's that was uh yeah. that was wisdom I got from uh from Hank Shaw. I was like, if you don't like the photo, just remake it. And I was like, what? I yeah, so. and sometimes I'm like, why haven't I come back? And like, I went back on that some of my old posts on that on his group, and I'm like, oh yeah, I made that, and that was really good. The photo looks like crap, but yeah, I should remake that again and. Um, but you know, and my wife and daughter loved it. So yeah. Why, why am I not coming back and making this mm-hmm. again? So, yeah. So do you have anything on your, your radar that you're going to be uh, excited about trying here soon? Not to give away any hot details on your recipes, but, um, there's a yellow, you know, one of those legal pads. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's pages and pages of ideas. Um, uh yeah, I've got a like a um there's like a the Columbia restaurant out of Tampa that 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 Cuban food um there's some recipes in there that I really want to that I really want to try. Um I want to try to um they have such great chorizo and I just haven't been able to get the chorizo like like the chorizo I can get in Tampa. Um, and I'm still working on that. Um, 
it's just so much better there. And I don't know if I'm ever going to accomplish that. Uh, but um, so that's a goal of mine. And um, uh, some of the, the Louisiana recipes um, that I've got, um, that I've got a cookbook, like an old family cookbook. Mm-hmm. Um, I try trying to pull some stuff out of that. Um, and, um, yeah, I got a lot of ideas. Uh, just, <laughs> just, uh, I got, I got a million ideas, but, um, and I, I mean, I drive around and I listen to, you know, all these cooking podcasts and things and, the, and just, it just, I keep getting new ideas every day. So the list is just getting longer and my time, um, I, in all this, I have to make sure I keep that balance, right? Um, Ooh, yeah. a family time, you know, I've, I've got my job and I need to go do my job and do it well. Um, I, I'm at a job that I don't have to take anything home with me. Um, so when I leave my job, I can leave it there. And I never had that before until two years ago. So I think this job is just, um, it gives me that flexibility and that opportunity. But, um, yeah, being a, being a, um, not just a mediocre one, but a great, husband and father is is uh, my number one priority and then um and then my uh but my passion for hunting and and cooking um you know they're they support it and um they appreciate the fruits of it uh so which i think is a great gift and um so they can be a part of it and uh so yeah i'll just keep doing it um as long as i have that balance and right now i have that perfect balance and uh, it brings me, uh, it brings me peace and joy, and so I'll keep doing it as long as I can. Yeah, I like it. It's honorable, man. The whole, the whole, uh, the whole principle behind it that you've got. I love it. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, what is the best way for people to connect with you? I know we've talked about Instagram. We've talked about Hank Shaw's Facebook page uh anywhere else or the best way um no i would say instagram i know like up until december i didn't have it so i wasn't on instagram but um but yeah there's that i've i've got the the nd like for north dakota nd mm-hmm. wild game cook um that's on instagram um i keep my facebook group my facebook page private i mean i'll post um on different groups but um, like my actual Facebook page, I keep, you know, for just family and friends and, um, but, uh, yeah. So I'd say Instagram, you know, we're definitely loving what you post in the community page. I love seeing your recipes go in there. So it's, so any listeners out there? Yes. And I always make sure I post listeners out there. You get us go ahead and give the name, Corey <laughs> sneak peek to Jeff's Jeff's recipes and amazing pictures in the uh, Wild mm-hmm. Fish and Game community page. Yeah, in the Wild Fish and Game community page, I will post all of my recipes that I do on Instagram. They're all posted on that, so you can also visit that page. Um, and I really appreciate that what you guys are doing there. Yeah, yeah and every and everything on the Harvesting Nature webs on the website. Yeah, it's great content. It's a I I really am enjoying that community page the more and more i see stuff pop up on it because i'm a member of of some other groups and stuff on uh on facebook but 
not to toot our own horn i think we're doing a good job of like putting that together and the people that have joined it and they're all putting out some great stuff uh so i think it's really it's a fun place to just interact yeah and i would just say too i think um using any of that social media and and whether it's on instagram or um but i've seen more of it on facebook um you know not everybody's gonna post those like great pictures because some people just mm-hmm. some people don't care like they just they cook something and it was so delicious and they posted the picture of it um yeah. and they don't they don't it's it's not for instagram right they just they're proud of it and i think um i it just it bothers me it just really bugs me that people when they post are like man that like that looks disgusting right um or like god forbid i like and this happens to me all the time if i try to use beets or avocados holy hannah man there are haters like it's like oh yeah it's oh man or don't put beans in your chili uh, (laughs) yeah anything like that but i mean just like it's like just from bambi right like if you can't say something nice don't say nothing at all like come on like you don't have to crucify somebody like um they may not have the best photo but i think i take time to um some it just sounds good right it may not it may be a fuzzy grainy picture um or they put a bunch of sauce or gravy on on it but like that's okay like they're proud of it and they um Mm -hmm. i think some of the stuff that whether it's hunting photos or um cooking photos i think for those of us who are um when you guys are on those pages um be supportive and like take time to like click a like or you know like that person took the time and and sometimes it's scary to post things um and they're hesitant but i think it's that we need to support each other um and it's not always like i have epic fails like that like that fish that sunk up the whole house um or i create there's a lot like half the stuff that i cook is tastes delicious um but it just doesn't like the photo it just doesn't um i'm like man that's just not gonna look good right um, it's just not like a photo. It's I don't know. Um, it doesn't make a good photo, but it tastes delicious. But there's people that are posting that's those same kind of things on Facebook, and I'm like, good for you. You mm-hmm. know, um, they don't care. And I think, um, yeah, I think we just need to support them. I think it's the same thing with um, with hunting um, that we need to support each other in this community and and um, and let people get creative and let people do what they want to do. Um, and, uh, and don't hold them to these fast, hard rules. I think that would, that we've kind of locked ourselves into. So, yep. Yep. I, I agree. I think, and if you think about it, it's like somebody going into a room full of 30,000 people, you know, some of these groups are big, ours is not, but, uh, not yet. Um, and you know, there, somebody's like, Hey, come check out what I made guys like come, come over here at the table and look at this. And then just there's 30,000 people that are like, Hmm, what'd you do there? Oh, well that piece of parsley's a little bit off. Well, you put beans in your chili. Oh, well, you know, and, and you know, yeah. half, half the comments are very critical and you know, I, I agree more supports there, but, uh, uh, before you, before you're quick to throw a questionable comment, think that, think about that about if you're the guy in the room or gal in the room presenting to 30,000 people like holy smokes 
Yeah. And I think too, um, you know, one and one great way too, if, if your family really appreciates your recipes, um, like that one year we went through four antelope and we ran out that first year that I aged the antelope, I got it all on ice and I did it right. Um, we burned through cause I, we were, the girls were just eating it like crazy. So, um, you know, when you can use your cooking and your family loves it. And now my wife's like, you know, we might need more than four. And I'm like, you know what, honey, I'm, I'm going to go out and get more tags. <laughs> like, right. I'm going to start like, applying oh, for South oh, Dakota and Montana oh, and, and I'm going to do it. I'll, I'm going to shoot for, yeah, whatever I need to do to get more venison and, um, and more antelope. So, yeah. And I'm a doe hunter, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, cheaper tags makes it more, um, you know, if I get a buck tag, the only buck tag I'm applying for is in North Dakota because it's the same price and I have a pretty good chance of getting getting a tag. But, but um, yeah, I mean, other than that, you can, I think just, just taking that opportunity and going out and having that adventure and um, I think it's a great opportunity and you can do it for very reasonable. I mean, Justin, mm-hmm. I know you, you go out to Wyoming for antelope, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah, you can get four doe tags and your license for less than one buck tag. Yeah, so, it's in, it's insane. I got a yeah. buck tag last year, and I was just looking at it, and we were talking this year as, as we're planning. Uh, I was waiting to see if AJ drew New Mexico tags, and he didn't. So now we're 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 shuffling around our plans for this year, and naturally, I'm eyeing up Colorado's over the over-the-counter tags uh they institute a second drawing this year there's over-the-counter tags so the antelope tags there the over-the-counter ones are archery only which i thought was interesting and i was like mm. i don't know i i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a try just the, last year both antelope i shot were under no one was over 120 and the my buck i shot was under 30 so i was like maybe maybe i can pull it off i don't know yeah, all of mine have been I my first um antelope which was a buck in North Dakota was 320 yards and all mm-hmm. of my Wyoming ones have been a hundred and less like maybe 150 a couple of them but um yeah, pretty close range. So it's wild stuff, yeah. man. But yeah. um all right, well, I, I think the unfortunately the clock is ticking down. Uh, I'm I'm in very much enjoying the conversation here. Uh, with that, at this point in the show, we give everybody the opportunity any uh, misfires, alibis, or saved rounds. So, Jeff, being that you're the guest on today, uh, do you have a last note or thought for for us or for the the general world or a question or anything? No, I would just say. Um... Yeah, I think for for everybody out there, just to uh, who wants to bring more um, opportunities for for wild game cooking, I think just just look at what your family eats on a regular basis. Like, ask your what like what are what are what are their favorite recipes? Like, just just take wild game out of the whole equation just for five minutes and just sit down and like look at what do they like to eat or. Um, um, sit down with your wife and like, what are, maybe you have a cookbook on the shelf or something, a joy of cooking or something, but like what sounds good or maybe what looks good. And then, um, take that and then look in your freezer 
or plan on maybe something that you're going to hunt this year, um, this fall, and then, um, and then try to incorporate that. But like, just, just look at the, the quote unquote normal food that you eat and then just try to utilize it. You utilize that wild game and fish in those recipes. And I think that's, that's a good basis for that, um, to really get your family on board with it. Awesome. Great last thought. Corey, hard one to follow up, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was going to I was going to ask, you know, what are your tips for creating or modifying recipes that suit the taste of your family, especially your your kids? And you just answered it for me, so I'll just say thank you for coming on. <laughs> yeah. And tone down the spices, I think that's the key thing. Make sure Corey that would be the thing too. Yeah. Yeah, I think Corey struggles with that because he likes spicy food. Yeah, the boudin. I get the boudin all to myself. Uh, Colin, what you got, man? I don't have much to touch on that hasn't already been covered. Um, Just wanted to thank Jeff for coming on the show and for all the great content that he's been putting out. I think uh, there's a a pretty large percentage of our most popular posts on social media that have been attributed to, to Jeff and from his contributions, so... Um, that's really awesome, the stuff that he's putting out. So it was a really good talk. And thanks for coming on. I think for me, I'll echo the thanks for coming on. And uh, super stoked we got to have the conversation. I know you and I have been talking more and more as of late and uh, enjoying our conversations. I enjoyed the podcast you did with, uh, what was that, Food Afield? Yeah, John what? Schneider yeah. up in Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a great one. Um I listened to that. Thanks for the the kind words there, for sure. Um, But yeah, overall, man, keep up the good work. It's really awesome. I love what you're doing. Uh, You definitely inspire me to to dial in my stuff, too, and make sure everything's going well on my side of the the cooking world. So it's awesome to see. So I love it. And I will say, for everyone else out there, make sure you go check out Jeff's Instagram page. You're following him. Uh, keep an eye out on our social media for all the uh, the great content that we're putting out, especially Jeff's recipes. Those rock. And uh, being that it's turkey season, it's a great time to plug this one. Uh, our Wild Turkey Life Cycle shirt's there. So if you haven't seen that yet, it's an awesome shirt. We've got a shirt and sweater form. Uh, not many things in the world of art are done by justin townsend but i can tell you that the artwork on that shirt is a justin townsend original uh hand drawn and hand hand colored by your very own podcast host here uh so it's a cool shirt goes from like chick to pult to full-grown gobbler to roasting pan and it says the wild turkey life cycle on it which i think is great uh and if you're a fan of wild turkey meat you should be a fan of that shirt i am all these recipes and links will be in the show notes as always and uh whatever podcast platform you're listening to punch that five star button and tell us what we're doing wrong or tell us what we're doing right i will say five stars could get you a hat uh just think about that too anyway thanks everybody and have a good night